0: Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, it is my great pleasure to have Franco Anzini on the show. Welcome, Franco. Hi, thanks for having me. Franco is the Vice President of Revenue Operations at Malwarebytes. I think it's impossible to not know who Malwarebytes is because uh, I think the advertising does follow me around on the web quite a bit. But they are, of course, a leading cybersecurity platform, given what he does and what I do, which is also revenue strategy and operations. We're mostly going to talk about revenue ops today, and in particular, some of the adjustments now that we're pretty deep into COVID that companies are making and kind of thinking about maybe the light at the end of that tunnel. So uh, we'll get into that. Franco, before we dive into the main topic, though, and I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about, about a lot of different things, just love to start with the same question I ask everyone, which is, what's one of your favorite sales books of all time? And maybe one or two of the key
1: takeaways from the book. One of my favorite sales books, uh, I read it about a year ago, and, and I've just finished reading it, I think, for the third time during quarantine. It's called The Transparency Sale by a gentleman named Todd Capone. And we actually had Todd Capone the author of the book, as a guest speaker at our sales kickoff and got a chance to meet him and, and hear him speak, uh, obviously his prepared remarks, but then just some uh, side sessions. And what really caught me about the book was how it followed up on a lot of the, the sales methodology that we've all become accustomed to, whether it's the challenger sale or Sandler methodologies. And it kind of extended it in a very practical manner. And the big takeaway that Todd starts the book with is that wherever we look in consumer land, everything is being rated five stars, 10 stars. But the highest gravitational pull for consumers is a rating of 4.2 out of five, which you would never think of because we're trained to just five stars, five stars, that's the best. And and Todd goes into a whole couple of chapters around why this magical 4.2 rating matters and and it has to do with sellers being more vulnerable during the sales process and that mindset really resonating with the buyers and everyone just being a little bit more open and not really hiding flaws like late bloomer gaining traction book it's one of my favorite sales books as well
0: frame the solution as i think he says a 4.2 to a 4.5 and it makes sense when you're talking about books right as I'll go on Amazon and when I'm checking out books, if I see there's like 10 reviews and they're all five stars, I'm pretty sure that's the author's 10 friends. And I, I want to see the critical reviews too. And, and sometimes the critical reviews are their pet peeves people had, but aren't things that would dissuade me. Well, I, I want to pivot over to the revenue operations world. And I'll start by asking you, what does revenue operations mean at Malwarebytes? Because it means very different things at at different places.
1: Yeah, I've been in revenue operations, previously called sales operations my whole career. And, and I've always told people sales operations and now revenue operations, it, it means different things to different people in different industries. So at bytes, revenue operations is really made up of a couple different parts. And so very traditional sales operations where it's all the go-to-market in terms of headcount and quota and capacity planning and, and all, all the things that kind of border on sales finance. And we have a, a really good analytics practice that, uh, again, sometimes is, is part of a sales operations team, um, order management, sales, commercial sales support, deal desk, as it's often called, systems, applications, data hygiene, data cleanliness. And then on the marketing side, marketing execution, using marketing automation systems, and, and there's go-to-market planning and budgeting and uh, marketing spend analysis there. And then we also have a pretty robust sales enablement and training function, which is the one which kind of doesn't traditionally sit in, in the realm, but it's starting to more now. It's, it's coming out of you know, HR, L&D, wherever it, it used to live, and it's being pulled in where it's closer to the salespeople, and listening to call recordings, uh, that type of stuff, and being able to leverage that in in real time w- with a, a tighter relationship within the sales organization has started to pay dividends. So I think people are starting to subscribe to that. So so that's kind of the breadth of of everything that encompasses revenue operations at Hourbytes currently.
0: Um, you actually pitch this idea of moving, you know, transforming. Sales operations to revenue operations by bringing the marketing piece into that, and that you pitch that to this to the CEO. And for context for the listeners, uh, Malwarebytes is private, and I'm looking at publicly available data on PitchBook that says you guys are ballpark 750 employees. So, like, that's a non-trivial thing to pitch that sort of idea. What were some of the things you
1: you sort of set in place to ensure that you get a yes on that decision? I'll back up to when I joined Bytes. One of the things that I heard from multiple constituents was sales and marketing are not aligned. Sales and marketing are not aligned. Sales and marketing are not aligned. And and it, it sounded like that. It was a broken record. Everyone said it, right? I joined uh, at the same time as a new head of sales did as well, who, who I knew from a prior life. So we, we had some synergy there and, and we both said, okay, sales and marketing is not aligned. Let's go find the head of marketing and figure this out, right? And we did our darndest to align the two organizations. And, and in some aspects, you know, we, we did. And, and then there were others that because of the siloed structure, sometimes you, you can't get into other silos, right? You, you don't know where the door is. So it became a real clear value prop to say, okay, why are we not aligned, right? We've tried some stuff over the past year and it's been kind of dicey, but why are we not aligned? Sometimes the, the, the obvious answer is staring you in the face the whole time, Right let's break down these two silos, make them one silo, because then we're guaranteed alignment. Everyone's literally on the same page because organizationally they're sitting next to each other and they're rolling up the same chains and and whatnot. And I think that really kind of made the case where the CEO looked at that and said, Oh, well, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't we do that? Right. (laughs) And, and so it was kind of that aha moment.
0: Yeah. We had the same thing with inbound for example so our inbound um sdrs were part of the sales organization until recently and we kind of debated and decided to move it and that turned out to be a really good move because we were actually following up on all the inbound leads but what we were missing was that very tight feedback of like how hard to step on the gas on the um on on sem uh, search engine marketing. So and once we moved it into marketing, right, the incentives were completely aligned. And then, you know, they stepped on the gas and our inbound, you know, has obviously come up commensurate with that. So I'm with you. I think we still, you know, have a little bit of that sales and marketing misalignment in terms of operations. So I, I do hope one day we bring our own sales and, and marketing ops under the same umbrella, but we're trying to make it work the old way. All right, one more before we do a little bit on COVID uh, and planning. So the last one on this one is Malwarebytes is selling both, I presume, B2B and B2C. And uh, your background was heavily heavy B2B before that. What were some of the c- critical things you needed to understand about B2C revenue operations?
1: Yeah, B- B2C is kind of weird and wacky, um, and and namely because there's no people involved, right? People are, are, uh, consumers are buying things online, on their own, with a credit card. They are not talking to salespeople. They are not going through a formal sales process. And and so there's a certain velocity and, and a certain efficiency that's inherent to a B2C model, which I think is totally 180 degrees from the enterprise space. And then the other thing that really jumped out was things like SEM search engine marketing and search engine optimization SEO and things like that they have such a larger impact in a B2C space where that is kind of your sales process or your sales engine and in the enterprise world we always have the backup plan where we throw people at it right where all right let's get some SDRs in there or put more sales reps down market or you know put more people here you can't really do that in B two C because you don't have people. <laughs> so that that uh, all, all the kind of oh that's interesting all revolved around the, the, the lack of salespeople.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I guess you can throw money at it and get a faster response, right? If you throw money at a B two B business, you have ramp time to deal with. If you throw money at a B two C business, I mean maybe the incremental spend has a you know diminishing marginal returns, but you still
1: know. Roughly what that and Google I think helps you know what that curve looks like. That's right. The, the whole concept of you know ROAS, right, uh, return on advertising spend. I, I mean, it it is happening in real time, and to your point, you can manipulate it by how much money you throw at it and, and when. That was interesting, in, in that the levers don't take as long to kick in on the B two C side of the world. All right so
0: since we've been for the for the better part of the podcast teasing about adjustments for covid maybe let's let's pick out you know across across that world that you're involved in we talked earlier about right headcount quota capacity analytics presumably forecasts in there order management systems marketing automation and and so on sales enablement where what's the area that for you has been most impacted by by covid so the thing that
1: happened at malwarebytes with covid was twofold. COVID happened, and people were now at home working from potentially their home computers, and they needed their home computers to be protected. So the consumer business really had a sharp incline, where there was just more people working at home, more computers, and and away we go, right? Um, On the enterprise side of the house, it was a little different in that security Products without kind of getting into the nitty gritty, right? There's this notion of a, of a protected perimeter, and now all of a sudden, people were outside of that perimeter, and and not just a few people, everyone was outside of that perimeter. So a, a lot of our enterprise customers came to us and said, "Okay, when everyone's in the office and they're using their desktops at work, I I, I got it, but what do I do now?" And and so uh, some creative solutions and and some different products that were able to be leveraged. And, and so that business upticked as well, right? So I, I think those things are happening in the background. And, and the way that we get that feedback is through the analytics of the business. And so the analytics that we look at on a daily, weekly, monthly cadence are now starting to go haywire. And everything from deal sizes doing funny jumps to cycle times getting cut in half. And so I think the piece that everyone has been wrestling with, and and I think this applies whether your business has increased or even if your business has decreased, right, is what's the impact and how long is this impact going to hang around for? Is it temporary, right? In our case, okay, we've got people at home using home computers and they're buying our software to be protected some point has everyone bought our software and they're all protected and the data would not tell you that it tells you hey they're continuing to buy it so it's just some interesting insights that the data is showing but i think the one constant as we've seen this play out over you know the past couple of months is companies that sell to small businesses and you know everyone defines small business differently but call it organizations of less than you know 200 people right these small businesses are the ones that have been hardest impacted by, by everything happening with COVID. And they went out of business overnight and, and they're not open yet, right? And either out of business or they just closed down and, you know, that they're going to come back. We just don't know when. So that notion of when is this going back to normal or is this the new normal for an extended period of time is something that I think everyone has been wrestling with. And, and it's causing people to look at their go to market strategy. And the execution of it to determine, is there something temporary we can do? Can we shift some sales resources to better serve our customers? What happens if the short term becomes medium term? Um, what, what does that do to our go-to-market? And uh, you know what, what does it do to things like rep productivity and average deal size and, and all these other things, right? I think the overlay to COVID is we know where it's affected. But time is still the ambiguous variable in the equation. People just haven't figured out how to deal with it. You know, I've talked to, to folks on both sides,
0: like folks who have been big beneficiaries because working at home has transformed you know, the nature of their businesses. And for them, there was a risk of overstaffing, especially on the B2B side. And then for places where, you know, there's, they, they were negatively impacted, there's a risk of cutting, but then everything comes back and you're at a disadvantage either in the absolute or at a competitive disadvantage if you go too deep. So yeah, it's it's I, I think you know smart finance organizations and smart revenue operations folks are basically modeling scenarios. And based on those scenarios, you choose the right optimal path
1: forward. Like not a compromise solution, but truly a scenario-based solution. Yeah. And and it it's I mean, these scenarios, I mean, they're being modeled in, in real time. And and the the piece that drives some people crazy and then others just thrive in it is that the assumptions change daily, right? Where today Las Vegas is closed and then tonight they announce, oh, we're opening up shop tomorrow. Whoa, okay, well, all of a sudden, overnight, my model has changed and I've got to go back and reassess my assumptions, make new assumptions, and then remodel everything, right? So I explained it to someone on on my team, you know, that they said, boy, we're doing a lot of gyrations and back and forth. And I said, well, you know, think of it this way, like we would go through this at the beginning of a fiscal year anyway, to plan for the year. But every day or every data point we get, could result in like new assumptions for the fiscal year, which means we got to go remodel it to optimize this thing, right? We're, we're kind of in the optimization business. And so it, it's it's just math. I keep telling people, right? But uh, it, it's optimizing a mathematical equation. And when your variables change, the equation changes. You, you've got to go in and either adjust some levers or maybe it creates some new levers, so it it's kind of, you know, weird and wacky for analytics and modeling people. Yeah, well you're speaking both my language <laughs> and also
0: my day-to-day experience. Uh <laughs> we now have three forecast models in place and we and and they we try we now call it because it's three pillars, right? We triangulate across the three and and you know they vary based on different kind of assumptions of what is projected to happen in the market. Well, Frank, I, I think it was more than worth my wait to actually get you as a guest on the show. So thank you so much for being on. Um, I presume the best way to uh, for people to maybe ask you further questions or learn about malware
1: Malwarebytes is via LinkedIn? That would be great. Yeah, super easy to find on LinkedIn and happy to answer questions about you know anything the current environment i've I've been getting a lot of uh career related questions that that we we talked about earlier i think the the uh change in in the world has you know prompted some people to kind of look at different career paths and and some different options going back to school like we talked about or, or whatnot so yeah happy to connect over linkedin and help people however i can thanks for your generosity and again thanks for being on the show thanks for having me we'll talk soon
0: Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. Paige McCauley is our producer. Peter Lepinto is our editor. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey, Salespeople podcast.